If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, I'll be getting there in a minute, Matthew 28, if you want to turn there. Most of the scriptures I'm going to use this morning will go on the screen too. What an absolutely crazy thing God has done to save us. It's miraculous. It's absolutely insane. God the Father would send his son to sacrifice himself in the place of sinners. Jesus would come and live flawlessly so that he could substitute himself for those who are full of flaws. Jesus, the sinless one, would sacrifice his life and take the death that we rightly deserve. It really is insane. You you think about what Christ has done in the gospel, and it is absolutely mind-blowing. We have a merciful God. We have a God who created a way for your sins to be forgiven while he remains just. A way for his wrath to be exalted and his grace to be exalted at the same time. A way for him not to compromise his justice and yet still show his love for every one of us. It's incredible what he has done. Our gift of salvation is filled with righteousness and justice, holiness. It's a salvation of atonement and redemption. It's a salvation that is adoption into the family of God. It's an eternal salvation. It's one that's marked with justice and righteousness and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and patience and long-suffering. It is off the charts what he's done for us. When you think that our God who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God, come on, who does that? Only God, only our God does that. The creator becomes the created so that the created could be reconciled to the creator. I mean, come on, what a God, what a beautiful salvation we have. How majestic, how glorious, how mind-blowing it is what our God has done for us in devising a plan where the only thing we bring to our salvation is the sin that he forgives. (laughs) And some faith, but it's only the faith that he supplied in the first place. (laughs) And then he sanctifies us. Then he gives us, through the gospel, through his sacrifice, the ability to be set free from sin, which 
tangles us up and messes up our lives and lies to us so that we can live the way God created humans to live, so that we can live born again and free, so that we can process these things on this earth the way he wants us to, enjoying creation and enjoying all the things of the earth as a way of enjoying him more and knowing him more, and yet being able to discern and turn away from the things we know that slow us down in loving him. All part of the gospel, all part of the beautiful plan he has to take rebels like us, who have our own agenda, want to be king, sitting on our own throne, and to come along and say, I'm not only going to set you free, but I'm going to make our relationship right with each other, and I'm going to do it for now, while you're on earth, I'm going to get the process started, so that one day I'm going to create a whole new earth and a whole new heaven where you basically get to do it all over again only without sin. So you can create and play and cook and do arts and music and all the things we do now only do it on a new earth where there's no more sin messing it up. All because of the gospel. And then God, in his kindness to us, says, I'm going to take this message, this truth, this reality... And I'm going to lay it into the lap of the church. I'm going to lay it in their lap. And I'm going to allow them to be the ones who deliver this message to all of the people on the earth. Jesus said this clearly. Go, therefore, into all the earth and make disciples. little phrase he throws out. Make disciples. Right? Make disciples is going to be my, my phrase for taking all the goodness of the gospel and bringing it to the people who've never heard and bringing it to people who have heard so they can enjoy it more. And so he says, make disciples. You guys know the verses in Matthew 28. If you have your Bible, they go on the screen. Go, he says, bring this message, this hope, this freedom, this joy in the form of disciple-making. We'll call it that. And we'll do it in two rhythms— baptizing and teaching, two I-N-G words, two participles. How do I do this thing called making disciples? How do we bring this great message to people? Well, two ways. One, we baptize people. We bring the Trinity to people. We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, we are so crazy in love with Jesus and the Father, and the Spirit, that when we're with people that don't know him, it's like we're taking them and we're just plunging them into the Trinity. We're baptizing them into the Trinity. We're immersing them into the Trinity. We're so jazzed over what God has done for us that when we're with people, the Trinity is just splashing out on everybody. That's step one. You want to help people experience the presence and the power of God through your life. And then he says also teaching them. So once people get a hold of this gospel, they believe it's true what Jesus has done. So right, now we're going to teach you to observe everything that God has commanded us. And what does that mean? It's simply this. It's that process of you and I being set free from our sin more and more every day. Right? There's days we feel really bound up in it. And we need each other. We need to teach each other. We need to remind each other what God has done. So that we're not inhibited by our sin. We're not slowed down by our sin. We're not entangled in our sin day in and day out. And so we need one another. We, we cling to one another. Help me. Remind me of what's true in the gospel so I can fight my sin. So I can live the way God wants me to live. So I can live in freedom and in joy with people. 
so that I can stop being self-righteous and judgmental and greedy and instead I can be loving and caring and others-focused. And so we've got this gospel that we've been given. And, and, and for whatever reasons, God chose not to use angels to deliver it, although he can and he still does, I'm sure, at times. <laughs> or random miracles like the Damascus Road, which he still could do and maybe does do at times. But primarily he's chosen us. He said, here it is, best message in the universe. They're not going to hear about it on ESPN or ESPN 2 or 3 or 12 or 36 or ESPN golf or football or whatever it is. They're not going to see it on TikTok or Twitter probably. I'm putting it in the church for you to bring it to people. And then there's nuances to this whole gospel and how it's going to get out into the world. God is very clear that just as God sent Christ to bring the gospel to the earth, he now sends us out into the world to bring the Trinity with us so that people can share in the good news with us. And so before his death, Jesus is praying, and he says this in John 17. He says to his, to his disciples, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So our God, I know this is review for some of us, God is a sending God. The Father and the Spirit send Christ. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. And the Trinity sends us. The Trinity sends you. And then after Jesus' resurrection, he said these words in John 20. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so this morning, you are alive on this February 11th in the year of 2024 because God sent you to be born and here on this day in 2024. And he sent you to the home that you're in because that's where he wants you. He sent you to the neighborhood you're in as a sent one because that's where he wants you. He sent you to the town that you live in because that's where he wants you. He has sent you to the school that you go to because that's his plan. He has sent you to the job that he has sent you to because that's his plan. When you go to Walmart later, later today to get your bag of chips and your dip, you may think you're going to get a bag, of chip and, a bag of chips and dip. God is actually sending you to Walmart because he might have a divine appointment for you in Walmart. When you go to the grocery store this week, when you go to the gym, when you go to Tractor Supply, when you go to the doctor, the dentist, the restaurant, you've got to have in mind that your God is ascending God. He's given you this gospel message, and he's filled you with the Trinity so that as you go, you bring that everywhere you go, everywhere he is sending you. And so stop thinking about yourself being sovereign over your day. When you run out of milk, it's because God is somewhere for you to go. So he's ascending God, and God not only does it individually, which he does, but he loves to do it in community. And so God is very clear uh, in communicating this to us through Jesus while he was on earth. In John 13, Jesus clearly tells us as a people how, or a major ingredient to us sharing and bringing this reality to people. And he says this in chapter 13. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So there's a sense in which 
people who don't fully love Jesus yet or don't know about Jesus and aren't loving Jesus are to see how we love each other and it's supposed to make them go, this is different. There's a love here that I've not seen before. And somehow it's connected to you saying that you're a disciple of Jesus. So the apologetic, if you will, for our salvation is our love for each other. It's our loving each other. I mean, what kind of plan is it that God has? I'm going to love you, and I'm going to help you love each other, and then I'm going to use that to help other people see how great I am. And then, he says in John 17, something similar. He says this, I in them, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Now, that's confusing for me, so in parentheses I put who the me's and the he's and the thou's are to make it a little easier. So Jesus is in us, and the Father is in Jesus. So follow the train of thought. If the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in us, then who else is in us? The Father. All right, good. You guys are sharp. And we know later on that they both send the Trinity to us, so we've, or the, the Spirit to us. So we've got the Trinity in us. And the goal of that is that we may be perfectly one. Do you see where our unity lies? It lies in the reality that all of us carry around with us the Trinity. That's where our unity comes from. And then he tells us the reason for this oneness that he wants us to have. So that, here's the reason, the world people who don't know Christ yet, may know that the Father sent Jesus and loved us even as the Father loved Jesus. So how much does a Father love you this morning? Mind-blowing. As much as he loves Jesus. So this morning, if you're questioning God's love for you, the Father's love, you can say, the Father loves me as much as he loves Jesus. That almost sounds heretical, doesn't it? It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's true. It's true. And that love and that unity that we're supposed to have is supposed to be something that we take then to people, to others who don't know him yet. So they can experience our love and our unity and find what we have found. So Jesus tells us what to do. And then I love it that when Jesus was on earth, he gave us examples of what to do. He showed us what to do. He's like, I'm going to model this for you. I'm going to model for you what to do. And it's a very simple plan. Jesus goes around to people often one-on-one, -on -one, and sometimes in smaller groups. He says what's true. He blesses them by meeting practical needs they have. And very often, he snacks and drinks with them. That's what everyone is so ticked off about when he comes. You're messing up my Sabbath, and you're eating and drinking with people you shouldn't be eating and drinking with. 
And so what does he say in Luke 7? The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. This is Jesus talking. He's owning, owning what others are accusing him of. He says, you're right, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, these are the religious people, these are the churchy people, if you will. <laughs> Look at him, they say, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. If you know yourself, you know that's really good to hear, that Jesus likes to eat with sinners and tax collectors. Because if he didn't, he'd never eat with me. He wouldn't. So it's really good news that this is here. But this is Jesus' approach to spreading this news to other people. It's eating and drinking. Listen, I don't understand all the facets of this. Why did God make us with taste buds and tongues and teeth and a stomach? Why did God design it all that way? And there's probably multiple reasons, but at least one of them I'm sure of. It's a way of bringing people together. It's crazy, right? You meet somebody, and you may have a casual conversation, but if you say to them, let's get together for a meal, that takes the relationship to some other either weird place <laughs> or real place, right? It does. As soon as you say, let's go get, a, let's go get a coffee together, let's have a meal together, everything can change in that relationship very quickly. It's part of God's design. He, he uses food this way. So when Jesus is on earth, what does he do? He preaches truth, he meets practical needs, healing people, and then he primarily spends time eating and drinking with people, hanging out with people, enjoying people. And so we as a church have talked about this for years. Like We want to join Jesus in what he shows us he did and bring it in practical ways to our lives by doing similar things with the people that we know. And so we've got this mission, right? I don't think anybody in this, year is going to, in this room is going to argue against the fact that God is, for whatever reasons, chosen to put this wonderful message of salvation in our hearts and in our lives so that we can then go hang out with people who don't know it yet and tell them about it. I don't think anybody in this room is going to argue with the reality that when we do that in little groups or bigger groups, it makes a difference because now I'm not just splashing the Trinity on my neighbors. You're with me there too, and we're all splashing the Trinity on my neighbors, Right? So we know that. And we also know, and God has brought this to our attention as a church, he's warned us of this, that our gravitational pull is often towards growing rather than going. It's just natural. For me, it's more comfortable, comfortable for me to be in here with you, listening to you sing, knowing that as I preach, no one's going to throw anything at me, knowing that you probably are agreeing with me for the most part, it's very different than if I were to go to Walmart this afternoon and talk to random people. Say, hey, can I have a minute of your time? I want to share Jesus with you. Trust me, my gravitational pull is here. Maybe yours is too. Unless you have the gift of evangelism, any of those that know I'd rather be out there, you'd rather be here too. And so we recognize as a church that is where I want to go. And so as a church, we try to fight against that, right? Since day one, we're like, we're not going to do a lot of programs we're going we're gonna to limit our growing to, to this on Sundays and to youth group and to Christ kids and to groups of three and to community groups. But we're not going to try to do a whole lot of extra so that you have time to share the gospel with people that God has brought into your life that don't know him yet. 
And so that's kind of been the approach that we've had over the years. And I think it's good for us to acknowledge that on any given week, we can spend two hours in here growing together. We can spend another two hours in community group or a group of three. That's four hours a week. And at times, I think we need to be reminded to spend some time with people that don't know Christ. At least I do. I need to be reminded of that. It's half the mission, right? Is to help other people see what we have had our eyes opened to. And so anyway, I was just thinking this week about all the, all the ways God has worked through you and through us in the last 10 years together, right? We began with community groups, with larger groups. And those groups were both for going and for growing. They were for us to help each other believe the gospel and for us to also invite people who don't know Jesus to be a part of that so we can introduce them to community, to each other, to our love and unity while sharing with them the gospel. We've had parties that your groups have thrown. Guys, we haven't done it yet, I don't think, in the last maybe 10 months, but giving out money, right? Everybody gets an envelope with 50 bucks in it to use to reach out and love and care for people that don't know Christ yet. We've taken fifth Sundays to do go, right? To do picnics at parks and different things like that. You guys have hosted, maybe you're hosting today, Super Bowl parties. We've done special things on Halloween. Uh, Cocoa giveaway on uh, Christmas uh, tree lighting nights. I know that now we have groups of three, and a lot of you will invite people to your groups of three that maybe are just curious about what this whole thing about God is like. Um, we've had Oktoberfest that we've done axe throwing and talked to people there too. Um, and perhaps maybe just, just most importantly is just the time that you all have spent in the past 10 years just hanging out with people. People that you planned on talking to and encouraging, and then those that you had no idea when you went to Walmart you were going to spend time talking to and encouraging, right? Or wherever the setting is. And so God, is, God has been at work in all kinds of ways. And, and, and as Tyler, Jordan, and I talk about the future, we say we want to keep all of these things moving forward. We, we want to keep encouraging you to keep, keep doing these things, that we, we would be so excited and filled with the Spirit that we can't help but not want to take this, this message to lost people. I had a little, little moment like two weeks ago as I was just spending time with the Lord where I just felt like he said, Matt, how, how concerned are you for your friends that don't know Christ? And it just landed on me. How concerned am I? Matt, does your schedule, does your time reflect a concern for the people that don't know me? Is your heart does it ache? Does it break like mine for people that don't know me yet? And I, and I think this morning, some of, the, some of these things, the realities of what we've already done are just a reflection of, of my heart and wanting to help us to keep moving in that direction. And so, but just back to this past fall, just to keep the timeline going for us, we had uh, Oktoberfest, which got rained out twice for us, go us. But believing that God is still in that. So maybe I'll take the pause button for one second. I, I confessed this when I was the only pastor. Uh, I can confess this on behalf of Tyler Jordan and I. I've said, we really don't know what we're doing. Because <laughs> to some degree, we don't. We, we know what God's word clearly tells us to do, and we're trying to do those as faithfully as we can. But specifically when it comes to this go mission, it's kind of like that whack-a-mole game. 
You're, you're trying to figure out what God's doing, and you want to keep up with him. And I'm reading through the book of Acts, and it seems like that's what happens in the book of Acts. Paul makes a plan to go one place, and God diverts him somewhere else, right? And then he makes another plan, he makes three steps, and God backs him up, and then God re-diverts him again, then God beats him, has him beat, and then he goes somewhere different instead because of that, and then he gets shipwrecked. I mean, it's all over the map, literally. So I feel a little better about not having a plan. <laughs> but anyway, so this past fall, we have Oktoberfest planned, and we had a uh, Oktoberfest task force that, um, that met, it was open up to anybody in the church that wanted to be a part of it. And uh, so we met and we, we said, how do we follow up from Oktoberfest? What can we do to help get the gospel more clearly to people and give them a chance to experience our love and our unity? And so out of that was Pub Church was birthed. Um, so we tried to do Pub Church right on the heels of Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest gets rained out. We decided to do it anyway. Um, and so since then, we've done, it, we've done it four times total now. And so th- this is a chance for me just to pause and uh, thank you for your patience um, to acknowledge that I wish in October I had known the future and I would have done things differently, would have rolled Pub Church out more slowly, um, would have taken more time to get more feedback and input, uh, would have mapped out a better plan foreseeable in the future, especially for those of you guys that love planning. You know, some of you guys are like, I want to know what's happening a year from now. And, and here we are going, in three weeks, we're going to, and I know that, I know, and that's not bad. I know that can be tempting. We know that can be tempting. To some of you, you're like, what the heck are you guys doing? Why is it every month something different is popping up and you're filling the calendar? What's going on? So I just want to acknowledge that. If I have tempted you in any way, I'm sorry. That was never part of the plan. So I just want to make sure that you hear our hearts behind that. That was never part of the plan. Um, I wish you could be in the meetings that Tyler, Jordan, and I, where we're, where we're seeking God and talking and trying to figure out, God, what, what do you want us to do? How do we continue to care for all of you, major priority, bring you all along in your own lives, in growing, and help you in your own mission that God's given you for how you're loving people who don't know Jesus yet, while simultaneously trying to bring all of us together to do some things so that people that I love and know can get to know you, so they can experience our singing together and our are rejoicing together and the preaching of the gospel together. And so we have lots of conversations about this. I just want you guys to know, I know you're not in those meetings, that we're not like, oh, let's just do pub church again. Let's just do this. And we're not just randomly throwing things out. I just want you to know there's much time and care and thought about you and how you're processing this. And so that's why I say if it's tempted you that we've been like popping up things left and right, sorry, was not the plan um, for us to do it that way. Um, so with that, I also want to say uh, thank you. Uh, you guys have uh, really served heroically in Pub Church. It's been great. Uh, thank you for the way you guys have jumped on board um, and served in so many ways. Um, last week was great. Thank you. you guys, I feel like we we're almost a well-oiled machine in, in having people come, and, and the amount of people that are guests that keep coming is wonderful. And so we're, we're watching this and going, okay, it seems that God is doing something and, and wanting to gather people with us that would otherwise not maybe come to this building. And so that's good. Um, back up a little bit. So in October, after our first pub church, I sent an email to everyone, members and attenders, and said, hey, any feedback you have or thoughts you had, have? And, uh, and we gathered those. And I know that I did not get back to every one of you personally or individually. And that's on me. Um, I think my intent was to gather information and then to share that 
publicly, like in a meeting, I think I did it multiple times in this setting, but I also know there's a lot of people that were expecting, and rightfully so, a, a response from me individually. And so I, I know I didn't do that. So if you're one of those people and you're maybe uh, hurt by that, like, man, I, nobody got back to me. I just, I, I want to ask your forgiveness for that. That was not my intent. I was going after that thinking I was gathering data and maybe you were thinking, I just shared my heart and no one got back to me. And so that's wrong. So just forgive me for that. And if we need to reconcile, I'd love to talk to you and look you in the eye and say, forgive me, I'm sorry. That was not my intent. And so we also, Tyler Jordan and I, recognize that there are probably maybe thoughts or questions, um, things that maybe are still, you're wondering, like, is this pub church thing really a good thing? I, I think Tyler and Jordan and I have said, we've, we've heard a little bit of murmurings, um, not from any specific person where we can go to them, but just under the, under the radar a little bit, where we think there's people that probably have questions. Maybe you were brought up to say, beer is wrong, it's wicked. And so you're like, what on earth are you guys doing? And so we understand that. We, we get that. Or maybe, uh, maybe there's other reasons that we're not even aware of where you're like, yeah, this thing seems sketchy. We just want you to know that we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to talk with you. We want to learn to listen. Um, we don't want to just railroad things forward. Um, we, we want to bring us all together in, in unity to do the things that we think God is leading us to do. So even, even with that, just share examples that I hope are helpful. We recognize, look, alcohol is a tricky thing. Okay, We recognize that. And so we know that on different pub churches that we've had, different people, either because they personally, just, they want to just stay away from it because they know it could trip them up, Alc- beer specifically. Um, or they know that their friends or neighbors, maybe they shouldn't be drinking because it's not good for them either. And so instead, they've been doing their own parties on pub church Sundays with some neighbors and friends from the church and outside the church. You need to hear that is not divisive. That's wise. That's shrewd and that's good. And so we want to make sure that you hear that we're aware of nothing we do is one size fits all. I don't think it's ever been that way. It's you be led by the Spirit and we're just trying to figure out how can we, how can we equip you, gift you, empower you, encourage you so that you can keep doing what God has called you to do and then how do we figure out stuff to do as a church together? Because I want my friends to be with you. I want them to hear you singing. I want them to hear the drums played. I want them to hear the, the shouting and the clapping. I, I want them to be a part of that, our unity and our love. And so pub church seems to be something that God is behind. It seems that way. Um, it seems like his hand is on us and what we're doing. I wanted to share one other I've got some questions here that different people have asked. Um, and so I just want to just take a second to uh, maybe answer one or two of them. And, and one is just, I just want to acknowledge the obvious. I know that when we do pub church, we gather in this room on that Sunday and we only meet for 45 minutes. And I know that for some of you, that's a sacrifice. I know for some of you, you're like, I want to come and I need to soak in God with everybody else for more time than that. And so I just want to acknowledge we get that. I also want to hope that I can encourage you just to get 45 minutes here and then get another 45 minutes at liquidity. So you get the same amount of juice that you need for your soul, but you get it in two different places. So this is an encouragement. I know some of you have been doing, I know you guys are doing, you're coming here at nine and then going over there also. But I just want to acknowledge, I, I know it's a sacrifice. It's a, it's a change. Some of you hate change. 
Don't mix up my weekly schedule because I get all, we understand that. And so we're not trying to deliberately go, guess what, this Sunday, and, and make changes that are hard for people. Um, we're only doing it because we really believe God is, is, has led us in that direction. So I just want to acknowledge that. also want to acknowledge um, that there have been questions, and these are good questions, about the use of church money to buy beer. And I know for some of you are like, wait, I was brought up to not even look at beer, and now you're telling me to go to a place where they sell beer, and now you're telling me the church is spending money on beer. And maybe you didn't know that until just now. (laughs) 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 To which we can talk about that. But I want to just share with you, for those of you that were here a few weeks ago for Pub Church, I shared these verses, and I just want to share them again. Um, These are from Deuteronomy. And I share them because I want you to see the heart of God. That's my only reason. Uh, These are verses that I have yet to hear a pastor preach on. And I'm not going to judge motives why. But these verses seem very clear in what God is saying about alcohol that I don't hear taught. And so in Deuteronomy 14, I think we have these verses on the screen, but if you want to turn that, I'd encourage you to do that. In Deuteronomy 14, I'm going to cut to verse 28. This is God's command through Moses. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. So every third year, they take 10% of all that they have and they lay it up in their town. Verse 29. And the Levite because he has no portion or inheritance with you. They didn't get an income from what they did. And the sojourner, the person who doesn't have a home, the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your town, shall come and eat and be filled, and the Lord your God may bless you with all of the work of your hands that you do. So that's pretty clear. God tells his people, take 10% and basically set it aside for those in need. Every three years, you bring it into town, and all these people who have needs benefit from that. Which leads to the question, what about the other two years? What did they do with their tithe? And so if you back up to verse 22, he tells us what they did with their tithe. So 14.22, he says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. There's a sense in which God says, I want you to set set 10% aside, and then I want you to feast on it as a way of fearing me, which sounds strange, I think the point is you're supposed to look at all the blessing and you're supposed to go, wow, what kind of God do I have that he would bless me this much? It's a healthy fear. It's a reverent fear. It's an awe. Look at our God. Do you ever think that when you're you're eating at your kitchen table? Like, wow, look at all that I have. So God wanted them to stop and do that. And then he says this in verse 24. And if the way is too long for you, so they can't take, God has blessed them so much, they can't take all their stuff with them. 
right? To the place where they're going to party, rejoice before their God. He says, if it's too long, so you're not able to carry the tithe, you have just too much stuff, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money. So sell your goats and your oil and your wine and your grain and your herds. Sell it all, he says. Um, you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. And then when you get there, what do I do with the money, God? This is my tithe. This is my 10%. What do I do with it? Verse 26. And spend the money for whatever you desire. Now, have you ever had someone stand in front of a church and say, take your tithe and spend it on whatever you desire? Is that what God's saying? And what I'm saying, you got your Bibles, that's what God says. <laughs> and then he lists things you can spend it on. Some of these are more appealing to me than others. Oxen, <laughs> sheep, or wine, or strong drink. That's where the tithe money was going. Strong drink, wine, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. God wants the money to be used for a party where you buy what you want and you celebrate. Now, I got to hit the pause button for a moment. For the last 10 years, I have never preached on giving or tithing. We've talked about money once. And the reason for that is we have worked our way through 14 different books of the Bible. I have them listed. I won't read them to you. Only once in all 14 books does God address money. I've heard people say, God talks about money more than any other topic. I don't know who said that first and why other people repeat it. It ain't true. It's not. We've gone through 14 books with only one reference to that. You also need to know that I think the New Testament is pretty clear. God wants a cheerful giver, right? And he wants us to give not out of compulsion, but out of the joy that comes from our hearts. And so I believe that the New Testament way of giving will probably exceed 10%. I think when I get a grip on what God has done for me, I find there's generosity flowing from my heart in multiple ways, my time, my energy, my resources, and my money. And so for that reason, I've not, and I've not had to, isn't it crazy, one sermon in 10 years, and we've always paid our bills. That's says God. I'm not saying it's wrong to preach on money. When we get there, we will. And there's nuances to this and things I could say that I'm not, that are in Scripture, that are true. But big picture, do you see what God's heart is? It's to bless. And we've asked members, so look, if you're a member, please contribute, because we do have bills to pay, so don't hear this as, woohoo. <laughs> no, no, I take that back. I take that back. I do want you to hear this as, woohoo. I do. I want you to feel freedom. I want you to feel freedom. We got bills to pay. Absolutely, we do. You know the song? Got bills to pay? I don't know. <laughs> and God has always provided. I, I want you to see the heart of God. God's not in the Old Testament going, and you'll tithe to me because I need your food. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't. The point was, set this aside so that you can rejoice and eat before me. That's what the text says. 
And so that was his reason. And then to share with orphans and widows and sojourners and people in need. And so if you are a Old Testament, if you're a believer in Old Testament tithing, apply these verses to your life then. And if, you're, if, you, if you believe that, that personally that I do, that God now has another way, I still think there's a sense in which even when I'm giving away my 10% or 10% plus, it's done out of joy. And it's done out of knowing, look what God has done for me. I have so freaking much. It's insane how much I have. My battle is the battle of prosperity every day. And yet God is here saying, enjoy me and give it away. And use some of it to enjoy me at the same time. So anyway, I hope, I hope that helps. I'm not going to cling to this one verse to try to articulate or argue that God is okay with pub church. That's not the point. I just want you to see the heart of God. Because if you were brought up thinking this is alcohol is all wrong, I just want you to know that God's perspective is different. But we also understand that it also can be a challenge. It can be a challenge for all of us in different ways. Last little thing, question. This is a question that rises in my own heart when I'm at pub church. Are we using worldly ways to get the gospel out? Is this wrong? Are we using the world's means to do this? And I think it's a valid question. And I think the answer to that for me has been that Tyler and Jordan have encouraged me to make sure that when we're there, that the gospel gets preached in full. So we're not singing songs that avoid words like sin or hell or forgiveness. When I preach, I've intentionally made sure at every one I've talked about hell, I've talked about sin, I've talked about blood, I've talked about Jesus and what he did for us, I've talked about our inability to save ourselves. So I think we're trying. I'm not saying we're doing this perfect. Please hear me. We're trying to figure it out. But if I've got a captive audience, I'm going to preach the gospel. And it's a captive audience. And then they're going to hear it from you too. Because you're there and you're encouraging them and you're talking to them. And so just, I just want, again, just want to acknowledge there are challenges to doing something that is different that Tyler, Jordan, and I realize. And there's probably things that are challenging you about it that we don't know. And we want you to tell us. We need you to tell us. We don't want to leave people behind not having heard your thoughts. You hear that? Because we love you. We want you to be a part of the team. And again, being part of the team doesn't mean you come to pub church every time. You may have a whole different plan, and that's fine. But we don't want to lose people. We don't want people like off running other places because of this. We, we have lost people over the years from this church that have gone to other church for things that I wish I could just get them in a room and sit down with them again and say, no, <laughs> we're more on the same page than we thought. And particularly in this case, the gospel has to be our unity. Pub church is not our unity. Pub church is not our identity. Pub church is not who we are. Who we are is who we are in Christ as a church because of the gospel. And that'll be it. And whatever God wants to do next, that's fitting to help people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. We want to just be ready to do it. And it seems like for whatever reason, from day one, we have favor with liquidity we have favor with Lenny and Jamie who own the upper deck and give us the pretzels each time. We just have favor with people and people are coming and so we're scratching our heads going, what do we do now? And so Tyler and Jordan and I have a, have a, a plan. And they I say that with fear and trembling because I know, <laughs> I know what's going to happen next week. And this is a loosely held plan, but we don't want to keep this going month at a time. We don't. 
So our, our loose plan is that we will do pub church on the first Sunday of the month for March, April, May, and June. So for the next four months, we'll do it. Um, that's very loosely held. And we will meet here at 9 like we've been doing. But we're going to kind of tweak what we've been doing here on Sundays at 9. We're going to make Sunday at 9 here, instead of it being more of a get ready to go to pub church time, it's going to be more of a let's just do what we always do on Sunday mornings time. So we're going to sing together. Uh, the message may come from Exodus, which we're hopefully going to start next week. So the, the sermon will be just right along in the Exodus series. Um, it may be something else. Um, we also got a Kate's feedback about Christ Kids, and we're talking about doing Christ Kids on the first Sunday of the month, too. So the rhythm for our kids won't, won't change. We want our kids to be discipled every week. And so the plan is, can we continue to do Christ Kids? So you can come here at 9, and your kids will have Christ Kids the whole time. So you can put your kids right in class when you get here at 8.50. <laughs> I know for some of you with little kids, you're like, 8.50 is perfect, my kids are up at 6. So I, and others, it's the opposite. We get that. But, so you can come and your kids can get discipled the entire time. We'll sing together in here. We'll go through the preached word. And then we'll pray and go to pub church. So we want to try to not break the rhythm of what we do here on Sundays while simultaneously leaning forward into the community and trying to get a chance to do the same thing we do here, just take it on the road. We just want to take it on the road for the people who wouldn't come here and bring it to them because we believe... They are eager to hear it, and we want to bring it to them. All right, Kate, I'm going to say a little, and then if you want to jump up. and So we recognize also now that that means some of you teachers are signed up to teach on the first Sunday of the month. And you're thinking, I don't wake up till 9. And so Kate has said she's willing to work with, if you're like, I ain't no way I could get here by then. Others of you are thinking, I want to do that. I would love to get, get here earlier on that Sunday. So Kate's willing to work with teachers with, if you don't like, if you're on the first week and you don't like that, um, if you're not on the first week and you want the first week, she's, she's said she's willing to be flexible to help make all that happen. Because we have a priority. We really want to make sure our kids are being discipled in this setting on a regular basis. So anything, Kate, that sum up our conversation? Yeah. And like I said, we're in, it's so hard to be a leader sometimes. I want to say, here's the plan, and we're going to do this, but honestly, we want to hear your input. So I don't know, maybe there's something that God wants to speak to us that we're missing that changes our plan. There could be. I'm not going to say that we got it figured out. Um, so we, we want to hear from you. And we also want to know that we've got this, ham, this plan. We're holding loosely to try to move things forward just a little bit. So that's it. Um, I want, you to, I want you to hear this, because this is a burden I carried with me this morning as I came. The aim, of, the aim of this time together this morning was not to culminate on pub church. You hear that? The aim is, I, I want you to see how magnificent the gospel is. How beautiful Jesus is. And for our hearts to be so stirred with that, that even if you're confused by pub church or hurt by pub church or don't like pub church for whatever reasons, you go, that's not the point. The point is Jesus and his work in my life and the fact that he, in his sovereign goodness and kindness, wants me to play a part in getting this gospel to people that don't know it. Do you believe that this morning? 
doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how articulate you are, how introverted or extroverted you are, God is clear that he wants you to play some part in him and you loving people, both in the church and outside of the church, so they have a chance to hear the good news. The good news that we sometimes, I take for granted. And I need to be reminded, it's not just good news, it's great news. It's not just great news, it's off the charts crazy news. That I could be forgiven and that I'm not afraid to die. I'm a little afraid to die. <laughs> but I got a hope. Now, I have friends that don't have it. And they need it. And I want to give it to them. And I know that your heart beats the same. I know that if you have the Spirit of God and your heart beats probably way more than mine for people that don't know Christ. And I want us to team together so that we can do it together. And I want us to support each other individually for however God leads you individually or as a family or as a group of three to get this gospel to people who we want to love as one. That's my amen. Tyler, Jordan, microphone, add, change, you sure? You want to share about Exodus and Genesis? I want you to share that just quickly. Jordan shared this twice in our, in our pastor's meeting, and I thought, these are the kind of things we just got to listen for. Like, what is God doing? And so he shared this, and I, I just want to make you share it. I'm not twisting your arm, am I? No. Okay, not, good. Not too much. Okay, twisty, twisty. <laughs> so um, I don't... I don't have a specific scripture to cite, but at, you know, as we've been reading, preparing to start Exodus, just the thing that hits particularly you know, as, as you get into the second half of it is God's people are on the move, right? They're never static. They're just out. They're moving. They're moving through the desert. They're taking God with them. God is leading them. And so you know, as we've been talking through for the last month, six weeks, as we've been thinking about you know, what does 2024 hold for us? talking about pub church, been talking about this opportunity that I think has been mentioned about uh, going to Lorien uh, on sometimes. What does it look like for our church to be on the move, right? Similar, not the same, but similar to what uh, God was doing with his people in Exodus. And so, you know, just one of the things when we bought this property, when we bought this building was we wanted we wanted to fight against the temptation to become very inwardly focused and stuck here. And like, no, you got to come to us. And so is this God helping to make sure that we don't become stuck here, that we are going out into the community in different places so that we can see, touch, and, and show the glory of who God is to people that would not come here? So just consider that. And again, all the things Matt said, we, we've got a plan for the next four months on the first Sundays, we're going to go do this. That could change. We are trying to balance being, uh, hearing what God tells us through the people that come, the, the level of favor that we see, the level of success, uh, you define the metric for that, that we see uh, on the things that we're doing and being flexible to adjust and make changes. But, you know, we're seeing success. I, I always say, you know, we, we go on uh, to pub church, and if one person, two person, three people that wouldn't come here come to pub church, I, I can leave there confident that the gospel was preached to them. And we do, we do a lot of things, and sometimes at those uh, different events, the gospel gets preached clearly, and sometimes I'm not always totally sure that 
everyone that came would have heard the gospel clearly. And so one of the things that gives me a lot of faith and favor towards what we're doing at Pub Church is I am confident that every person there heard the gospel preached because that is the main thing that we do at Pub Church. And so everything else, we may mess up, beers are spilled, maybe, you know, maybe we're not spending the right amount of money on pretzels or whatever it is, right? And, and all of those things seem very small in comparison to the fact that people are hearing the gospel and people are connecting with people that have heard the gospel. And so we just really are uh, trying to keep that at uh, the most, most important thing that we are going to do. So can I say all the things you wanted me to say? As Jordan was, was speaking, it just felt like God brought an encouragement um, and a reminder, which is we, we three are just men. We're, we're just guys. When we're, we, we sin and we're messed up and we need God's direction and grace on our lives as much as anyone else in this room. And I want to encourage you that in the same way, we're not the only ones that can make plans or can hear the Spirit and then turn and move and share that. And so in light of what Matt was sharing about who our God is, about what plan he put us on, what his mission is, let's be a church that's praying for that. Let's leave here today, and, 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 and maybe you are, and I'll just say do it more. Pray, Lord, what do you want me to do in Christ church as we go? What do you want me to do with my neighbors? How are you leading me? And maybe it's to, to not go to pub church and do something else entirely, and we want to rally behind you in that. And maybe it's, well, maybe I should get behind Pub Church more or the Lorian opportunity or whatever, something completely different. I think the point is, let's be a church that's praying, that's seeking the Spirit to guide us. It's not just saying, okay, here's problems. Let's see how we can solve them and use our brains to do it. Let's be a church that's led by the Spirit, that's listening, speaking, sharing with each other, brainstorming still. But let's be a church that's following God's lead and not just our own plans. And we as pastors, we want to hear that from you. We want to be with you in that, and that's part of our heart in wanting to share with you how we're processing as well, because we're trying to do the same thing that you're doing as well. We're listening to the Spirit. We're reading God's Word. We're hearing His heart. We're wanting to take the gospel to those that don't know Jesus yet. That's our heart. All right, let's stand and sing together. And as we sing, I just want to um, read a verse from 1 Peter 3. It says, Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So together we're going to sing about how good Jesus is, and that is our unity. <laughs>